0: Verses 1 to 10. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My strength is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord. There is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly, let not, let not arrogance come for your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bow feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. But those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honour. And on them he has set the world. And we know Hannah's longing was very deeply satisfied when she became pregnant. And then our second reading is Luke chapter 1, verse 39. Yes, And it's Mary... And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfilment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. And behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home.
1: Excellent. Hi, everyone. Isn't that a great morning so far? Really good. Uh, Thank you, Inika, for reading. That's terrific. I really love good Christmas music, and I have several playlists on the go. Uh, which means there are some songs that don't make the cut. And I wonder if you have a least favourite Christmas song. Uh, Perhaps you've heard Last Christmas by Wham! just one too many times. Uh, Lady Gaga, Justin Bieber, I don't know what it is for you that doesn't make the cut. You may feel differently, but I came across this album uh, just recently, and it would have to be the worst one I've ever heard. Uh, It is Christmas in the Stars, Star Wars Christmas Songs featuring R2-D2 and C-3PO. So please believe me that it's truly awful and uh, in the office, Philippa suggested that I play a bit for you and that was just a flat no. So I dare you to go and listen to it in the car on the way home. See, the original Christmas songs are actually far better. They are full of joy and truth. ...way into Luke's Gospel. And this week and next, we'll be looking at two of them in particular, the, the Magnificat and the Benedictus. They're their technical names. I know them better as the song of Mary and of Zachariah. Uh, and so before we actually come to Mary's song this morning, uh, we're going to see that Elizabeth really has her own. Uh, and it's part of a, uh, And it was introduced by the angel Gabriel's visit to Zachariah in the temple and then to the young Virgin Mary in Nazareth. So we'll look at how Mary's song came about, the setting for it. Uh, If you have your Bible open or the the handout on the way in, uh, it's printed there. So we'll look at true joy to start with. Uh, You can just imagine this interaction, can't you? A teenage girl discovers that she's pregnant and visits some extended family to share the news. Imagine what your elderly auntie or cousin would say to you in that circumstance, "You silly girl! Didn't you know what was going to happen? Haven't I told you about these things?" But Elizabeth gathered unexpected. The angels already told Mary about Elizabeth being pregnant, and she's six months further along. And I think you would want to visit your cousin or your auntie in these circumstances, because now there are two babies involved. And it's extraordinary. Have a look, verse thirty-nine. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zachariah and greeted Elizabeth. So these two women are about to be co-conspirators in God's salvation plans. They are soul sisters who encounter the remarkable and the miraculous. And we need to understand that they are not just the biological mothers of John the Baptist and Jesus. They are also prophetesses in their own right. God uses these two women in a very special way. He uses everything that he's equipped them with to write their stories into his bigger story. And it even connects to yours and mine too. We'll see that as we track through. So now look at verse 41. You're meant to feel the drama here because on hearing Mary's greeting, uh, Elizabeth feels her baby leap in her womb. Uh, She's six months pregnant, so that wouldn't be uncommon. But this particular internal kick in the guts is something different. The same word for leap is used of a sheep that's jumping or or, uh, skipping through the paddock. something totally different. And if you look at verse 44, she knows that her baby has leaped for joy. He responds to meeting Jesus in utero. I think children can teach us a thing or two about faith. Uh, Even the yet-to-be-born John the Baptist recognizes the presence of yet-to-be-born Jesus. Uh, I read a, a, a recent study... Uh, about music being played to babies in their womb. I don't know if you ever did that with your kids. Uh, And they respond far earlier than what they first thought, as early as 15 or 16 weeks. bit of Mozart, Mendelssohn, or if you're Scott, Megadeth, Metallica, (laughs) uh, whatever's your thing. But we ought to acknowledge the life that's there, the individuality, the emotions, and the contribution... Of an unborn child. John leapt for joy and it's his first act of prophecy from the womb. Isn't that incredible? And then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this, verse 42. She exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, When the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So just like an Old Testament prophet, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and then just given this supernatural insight. On the arrival of Mary, God enables her to understand the significance of who Mary's child is and what it means for all of them. And she is in wonder about how this can all happen. It's an extraordinary event. And by the work of God's supernatural intervention in their lives, she then recognises this child to be her Lord. And remember, that it takes the work of the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. It wouldn't have mattered how much convincing Mary had tried, and I can just imagine how she could try and explain that situation. But in the end, it always takes the Holy Spirit's work in someone's heart and mind. So just in Elizabeth's life, just in Michael's life, that we just heard about too. So can I ask you, have you recognised Jesus as your Lord? you and I are called into this story to see what God has done and to recognise Jesus. True blessing is not just I have a new car. Blessing is found in new life, eternal life, connected to Jesus, that your name is written in heaven. Taking God at his word comes with this great blessing. In fact, it is the greatest blessing there is. You can trust what God was says will happen will in fact happen he is dependable he will not back out on you God is faithful even when you're not his grace is far greater than your waywardness your faltering your half-heartedness in your faith what God begins in your life he finishes through to the very end and so he kept his promises to Mary uh, you'll flick over to the next chapter at some point And she treasures up all that has happened as she holds this tiny baby who is in fact the king of the universe. God will keep his promises for your life and mine. Blessed are you when you take God at his word. True joy is found in recognising Jesus for who he is and how he connects to your life. So in a sense, that was Elizabeth's song. And now we look at Mary's song in response and we'll deal with her song in two halves. So it's point two and three. Uh, First one is personal joy in a merciful God. My dad was telling me the story of his church organist in a little Scottish village where he grew up and he was likely the only musician for miles around. And so he had a, a limited repertoire, to put it lightly, Sunday after Sunday, without fail, as the congregation came in and shuffled into their pew, he would be playing pretty much the only song that he knew, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. Every Sunday, without fail. That'd be torturous, wouldn't it? I'm very thankful for a great music team. Uh, It's much better than that. Uh, But this is a much better Christmas song uh, from Mary. This isn't sort of cheery sentimentalism. This is authentic and biblical from her. And we heard earlier from Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And it's almost like Mary had been reading that on the train, on the way to Elizabeth, or on the donkey or whatever. Uh, Meditating on God's promises then leads to an eruption of joyful praise. See, reading the Bible produces fruit in your life. God uses it to work in you and to bring so here we see a response to all that's happened so far she's put together all the threads of history are coming together in her story my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit rejoices in god my savior you look at how personal that is my soul my spirit my savior mary recognized her need She needed grace and forgiveness, just as you or I do. And the other thing is here is that faith is meant to be a personal thing like this. It's a reality between you and God. Not just ideas, but a deep conviction that this is real for me. And God is my saviour. His mercy is for me. My innermost being finds utter joy and hope and freedom and peace in God's mercy to me. And that said, the fact that it's personal doesn't mean that it has to be private. Uh, Elizabeth and Mary share this together. And it's meant to be shared with those in your life, the people God has put next to you. It's an inner truth that declares something like this, a light that isn't hidden but shines in the darkness. So it's a total self thing, saying all that I am magnifies and praises my God. And that joy comes from a deep sense of understanding what it is that God has done for her. So verse 48, He has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold... From now on, all generations will call me blessed. And God lifts the humble, those who recognise their neediness and their unworthiness. There's nothing that you can do on your own to bring this salvation to to be. It is what it means to be poor in spirit or meek. It's to recognise that you need God in your life. And then verse 49, For he who is mighty... Has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He is mighty to save, he is at work in his world, and he is perfect in all that he does. So, this is about a personal joy in God's mercy for me. And I wonder if you notice what is being offered to you uh, here in verse 50. See, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. It is particular, it is only for those who fear him. And it goes back to Hannah, that Old Testament believer who was also trusting in the coming of Jesus when she said, I rejoice in your salvation. See, this declares the scope of this salvation. God's mercy extends through history to Mary and even on to you and me today. The offer is there. Our problem is, we often live with with little fear of God. We live as if he's not there, or not mighty, or not holy. And that is why we need his mercy. Sin is fundamentally living in God's world without any reference to him at all. Pretending as if I'm the master of my own destiny, the ruler of my life... And I'm the final, final arbiter of what is good and right for me. I'm the God of my life. That was what Michael was saying about before he came to faith. To fear God is to recognise the folly of that and to respond to God's call in your life. This mercy is achieved through Jesus' death on the cross. Uh, you could have a look later at 1 Peter chapter 1. Uh, it says of Jesus that he himself bore our sin in his body, on that tree, on the cross, that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. He is the ultimate servant who humbled himself and went to the cross to secure this for us. And then God exalted his son so that you too can be exalted and lifted up by trusting in those promises. The call is for you to turn from your sin and find the only hope that there is. His offer of mercy is there. Is it personal for you? Well, there can only be one royal claim to the throne at Christmas, and it's not Santa, and it's not Mariah Carey either. Uh, If you keep up with such things, uh, you'll know that Mariah Carey has just lost her bid to trademark the Queen of Christmas title. Uh, Just imagine the royalties which she would have been able to tap into uh, with that. The T-shirts, the coffee mugs, every Christmas, MCQOC. Uh, She lost the court case, I think in part, because there was just a long line of others who were more than willing to come and claim that title for themselves. Uh, There always is, because we're all sinful and we want the spotlight on us. And what we have done. And we want that throne that belongs only to the Lord Jesus. We want the crown off his head for ours. Look at what Mary says to that. So verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. And exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good You might have noticed the, the tense that's used there. It's, it sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? It's like it's written in past tense. Uh, we could call that the prophetic future tense. Uh, these things are always true of, of what God has done through history. But what Mary's doing here is saying it in such a way that it's certain to happen. Uh, It's as if it's already in Scripture all the time. It's a way of making God's promises to us stick out. It's the joy of what will be uh, said in a way that it's guaranteed. And and there's a danger here for you and me when we read these kind of passages. Uh, It's easy for us to say, well, I'm not rich and I try not to be proud. Therefore, I'm off uh, to find yourself in the same boat. So just be careful there. Uh, We ought to be mindful, too, that the wealthy aren't excluded from the kingdom of God simply because they're wealthy. In fact, there are wealthy people who come to follow Jesus all through the New Testament and they own houses and all sorts of things. It does mean something different. And often the rich in the Gospels, uh, when you see that, uh, is talking about those who are unrepentant and arrogant. They are trusting in themselves and their stuff, and being the God of their own life. And this is saying that will all catch up with them. They will be scattered, sent away, empty-handed. Every dictator that's ever lived will stand before the King of Heaven and give account. That gives me great comfort that Putin will die one day and then he will stand before the judgment throne of Christ. Can you imagine being there? And then this says that the lowly will be exalted, the humble vindicated. And we see that so clearly in Jesus. His gentle, humble heart, so rejected and cast aside, is in fact exalted by God. He's at God's right hand. And there's a pattern and a principle of the kingdom at work here. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, listen to this man, I've found within myself all I need and all I shall ever need. I am a man of great faith, but my faith is in George Gordon Liddy. I have never failed me. Now, the irony here was that Liddy was one of the chief conspirators in the Watergate scandal in the States and he ended up in prison, so his faith in himself was misplaced. The proud uses uh, all the time. He turns conventional standards on their heads. It's topsy-turvy when it comes to the kingdom. The person that God exalts is the humble. Uh, If you go to Luke chapter 18, uh, you'll see the prayers of the self-righteous Pharisee are denied. Uh, But the sinful tax collector, Lord, have mercy. And Jesus, in the punchline, says all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Someone else said once that God sends no one one away empty except those who are full of themselves. Uh, On the flip side, the hungry will be completely satisfied. As man, Charles Colson, who became a Christian, he was also found guilty and sentenced in the Watergate saga. Uh, But he said his uh, prison experience was God's training for him. So he says, my greatest humiliation being sent to prison was the beginning of God's greatest use of my life. He chose the one thing in which I could not glory for his glory. There's two ways to live for you, those two guys. Uh, One will have you spiralling into self-centred delusion uh, with nothing to show for it in the end. The other, total fulfilment. If that kind of emptiness is terrifying to you and me, well, God promises something utterly fulfilling to need for what only God can do for them. One ends in ruin, the other inexpressible joy. To me, that's not even a choice. I like this side. Uh, I don't know about you, but can I ask, which one are you? Uh, Will you humble yourself and cry out to God of your need? Or will you be humbled scattered and sent away empty. Finally today, let's just be reminded that God always says what he promises. He keeps his promises. He's a God of reversals. That's the topsy-turvy nature to his kingdom. The poor will be seated with him at his table and reign in glory. Hallelujah. The mighty will find themselves weak and pathetic before him. Look at how Mary finishes, verse uh, 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Uh, Next week we'll be exploring uh, how those Old Testament promises are linked to these songs uh, as we look at Zechariah's song. But here we see God's covenant blessings that were promised all the way back to Abraham. Find all their fulfilment in Jesus. He's like the true Israel. And what's incredible is that when you trust in Jesus, you find yourself in this story. Uh, You could go to Galatians chapter 3, which says, if you're in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring and an heir according to that promise. Uh, it's, It's amazing. God will always do what he's promised, And he promises you true joy in your Lord and Saviour, Jesus. You too can rejoice in the many wonders of God's goodness and mercy and kindness and love in this child who is at the centre of all God's blessings. Uh, Perhaps Mariah Carey is, in fact, onto something. It takes more than presents under the tree or a stocking on the fireplace. The best toy in the world won't bring the lasting joy that's found in connection to this baby. I might want a lot for Christmas, but he is all I need for Christmas. Each one of us needs to acknowledge him for who he is, uh, our need for him, and discover this worldwide history-changing scope of his joy. He is the world's only hope, the dear desire of every nation, the joy of every longing heart and we'll sing in a moment, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace. Friends, would you pray with me? Let's pray.